This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Well, praise the Lord and good morning. How are y'all doing? Shatter. Dr. Hansen, welcome back. <laughs> uh, thank you. It was over three weeks gone. Well, we had a great time. Dr. E.J. Buckhart and the crew, and y'all have been doing some great programs this past month. I hope you had a great trip, though. Well, we did, all through the United States again, and uh, great meetings, so it's good to be back with you. Well, praise the Lord. Everybody, welcome. This is a live program. We're simulcasting with World Ministries International out of Stanwood, Washington. You can find them on the web at worldministries.org. Today is a live show, Friday, July 28th. 2023. Would you like to open us in prayer? The mic is yours. Father God, thank you again for this time. We thank you, dear God, that you're alive and well. We know that the enemy is trying to attack and destroy, pouring out spirits, evil spirits from his organized network to try to come against the righteous. Let people understand them more so they can fight them effectively. Give us a good day now. Let everyone tune in carefully so they understand what's going on and how they're being attacked. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I've done actually seven programs on demonology, so to speak. One was demons. Two, demons are organized. Three, can Christians have demons? Four, the etiology of demons and people. Five, mediums, charms, fortune-telling, etc. Six, Leviathan and Marine Spirits and Seven Marine Spirits, the movie Avatar in Hinduism. I've already played a couple of these. These were from my teachings. Now next week, we're going to do Leviathan and Marine Spirits. We're going to do Marine Spirits going over the movie Avatar in Hinduism. But right now, I want to get into again demons and demons are organized. So we lay again the foundation how demons and how they're organized. Again, we've talked about can Christians have demons, the etiology of demons and people. But let's very carefully listen to demons and demons are organized. So we see how they are attacking us. Let's begin. Okay, this is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I am the president of World Ministries International as well as Eagles Saving Nations. I'm going to start a new series today. It's going to be on demons, Satan. We're going to go into, before the series is over, we're going to go into things like the movie Avatar, The Little Mermaid. Because some people are watching all of this stuff, thinking it's innocent, and it's not innocent. We have marine spirits, we have Hindu spirits, we have other things. And they wonder why their prayers aren't working, why they're being beat up. 
but they don't even understand how spirits attack them. Some people don't even believe in them. I know at the beginning of many denominations, they knew how to cast out demons. Now some of them have forgot. Instead, they'll send a person who has demons to a counselor. I'm not against counselors. Counseling the Word of God is the same thing. That's what pastors do. We counsel in the Word of God. But if you don't understand what is troubling that person, that it's demonic and you don't know how to deal with it, the Word of God itself will not set them free unless it's applied. And if you're dealing with strong spirits, you have to cast them out. And some of these Christian counselors don't even understand the demonic. Not yet can they cast them out. And you can bring somebody to a counseling session for 20 years. Get a lot of money from them as they're never set free. The origin of Satan. Where is it? Now, I'm going to use the Bible as my source. Also, Advanced Deliverance 1 by Dr. Drew Roos. If you want to take courses on understanding demons, how to cast them out, we offer it. We have a Bible school. We offer it online. Go to my website, worldministries.org. Worldministries.org. Over 100 professors, over 300 courses under Christian Life School of Theology. We have a school that we can sign you up, take you through these courses on deliverance, one and two, as well as much more. We could actually take you all the way through, even through a doctorate degree. Very easy, not much money. We're not paying for, again, a library in a university. We're not paying for all the buildings, the professors. You can take it online. You can offer it in your church on DVD, 10 hours, syllabus, textbook, two weeks to do a test. Again, if you want to get courses from our Bible school, go to worldministries.org. Again, Ezekiel 28, 13 through 19. It talks about, again, the origin of Satan and what happened to Satan. The fall of Satan. He was the anointed cherub. Created the most beautiful of all angels. A title given only to one, yet because of pride. How is it that we get in trouble? Now, if you know anything, you get in trouble usually in anything by, because of your pride. You don't have to be a Christian. You want to be successful at work, you better not have too much pride. They'll fire you. You better be able to be taught and corrected or they fire you. Pride is a real curse. It stops a learning process. It stops you listening. It stops you from being prosperous and promoted. If you're a Christian, you can't move much in the Holy Spirit with your pride. It gets in the way. Satan's pride, he wasn't called Satan, the anointed cherub, again, created the most beautiful of all angels. If you have too much beauty, women, watch out. Don't let your pride get in the way. How about men? You think you're a muscle man. Better be careful. Because of pride, he was pulled down. He aspired to be equal with God. He rebelled. This rebellion will not be entirely consummated until Satan is cast in the lake of fire. Again, Ezekiel 28, 7. Behold, therefore, I am bringing strangers upon you, the most terrible of the nations. They shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom, and they shall defile your splendor. Satan can appear as an angel of light. He can appear as Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus appeared unto me. Was it Jesus? Was it? Depends on what he said. There was an angel, fallen angel. My father pastored 
in Hawaii at one time. I was six and seven years old, five when I went. First night in this parsonage that was deserted for three to six months. I went to sleep, tried to sleep, and in the doorway I saw a light of a figure, of a person. It came toward me. I was a little boy. I pulled the covers over my head. It still kept coming. I lost my voice. I tried to scream for my dad or mom. It reached its hand toward me. I finally got my voice and screamed. My dad ran into the room and cast the demon out. The next morning, our pet goat was going crazy, trying to kill itself, banging its head to crush it in the wall. My grandmother, Letter Hansen, missionary to China, as well as Singapore and Malaysia, said, Bud, do you think that demon went in the goat? My dad said, it had to. He went out and cast it out of the goat. Demons are looking for bodies. We're going to discuss it. Rather have people, but it'll sure take animals. You, you say, you know, that animal acts like he's demon-possessed. Maybe it is. I remember my, my grandpa in China. A goat ran into his church, flopped right down on the altar. My grandpa looked, looked at his wife, Letta. That's not normal. Cast the demon out of the goat. The goat returned normal, pranced out of the church. Isaiah 14, 12 through 6. How are you fallen from heaven, O light bringer and day star, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the earth, you who are weakened and laid prostrate the nations, O blasphemous Satan, king of Babylon. And you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit upon the mount of the assembly in the uttermost north. I will ascend upon the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Hades, Shiloh, to the inmost recesses of the pit, the regions of the dead. Those who you see will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook the kingdoms? Isaiah 14, 12 through 16. Look how exalted he was at one time. This is where people can get in trouble that work for senior pastors or apostles. Oh, I, I am just as good. That transfer anointing from Elijah to Elisha, from Moses to Joshua, was a life of faithfulness. You see some that break away early. What happened? Judgment. Look how many died under Moses, thinking they knew as good as Moses. Leading a rebellion. Even Miriam. I'm as good as my brother. God can speak to me. Leprosy. There are to be people today in ministry all over the world that would be much higher in the kingdom if they did not rebel against authority over them. Some of them are no longer, and they once moved in the nations. Now where are they moving? In a butcher shop, cutting meat. If I go in there, I wanted a good sirloin or a good ribeye. But they were moving in the nations until vanity swept in from evil spirits or an evil wife. You know, not all men and women spouses are speaking godly things to you. Some of them might be leading you astray. You know, Job at least recognized his evil wife. Some listen to their evil wife and they lose their destiny. Revelation 12, 7 through 9. Then war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels going forth to battle with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they were defeated and there was no room found in them in heaven. 
and the huge dragon was cast down out, that ages old serpent who is called the devil and Satan. He who was the seducer, deceiver of all humanity the world over, he was forced out and down to earth, and his angels were flung out along with him. His angels were flung out with him. It seems that Christians have made a big mistake in putting down Satan and his power. I believe we need to walk carefully when referring to him. By seeing things which, according to the scriptures, we have no right to say, we give Satan legal right to torment us and afflict us. I hope you caught what I just said. Many people get so arrogant, they don't study the word of God, only they know he's defeated. Yeah, God defeated him, not you. Let's look at Jude 8 and 9. Nevertheless, in the like manner, these dreamers also corrupt the body, scorn and reject authority and government, and revile and libel and scoff at heavenly glories, the glorious ones. But when even the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, judiciously argued, disputed with the body of, about the body of Moses, he dared not presume to bring an abusive condemnation against him, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. I've heard all sorts of nonsense by ignorance peop ignorant people talk about the devil and what they're going to do to him. Ignorance. And then they wonder why they're really under attack and beat up. Because I guess they didn't defeat the devil. The Lord defeats the devil. The Lord rebuke you. The devil is still on earth. He's the prince of this earth, the Bible says. He's not going to be discharged from that place of authority until the battle of Armageddon. We need to be careful. The Lord rebuke you. This tells us some of the authority the devil has. As we know, we have power over him only in the spirit. We are not allowed to bring railing accusations against him. We should only say, the Lord rebuke you. You know, some people you hear say all sorts of nonsense. Oh, he is a slimy, dirty old devil. Oh, slewfoot. Usually these people's lives are torn to pieces. Don't give Satan power to come against you. The Lord rebuke you. He, the, he's afraid of the Lord, not you. The devil is not afraid of you. You are literally nothing but a piece of clay with too much pride. Appearance, Satan must be a gorgeous creature to look upon. Ezekiel 28, 13. The 12th verse, Ezekiel 38, gives us more insight. You are the full measure and pattern of greatness, exactness, giving the finishing touch to all that constitutes completeness, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Wow. The King James of the Bible gives us a description. Ezekiel 28, 13. The workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Now get this. Satan is using music to his great advantage. We are aware of things such as backward masking, a procedure in which record or tape, when played in reverse, brings forth a different message. If you are not acquainted with this procedure, I suggest you acquire a book, Rock at the Christian Bookstore. Some of the current rock groups are doing more occult than full-fledged witches are. They drink their own urine, eat their own waste, to the light of thousands of teens. Did you hear what I said? On stage... They drink their own urine and eat their own waste. Satan is alive on planet Earth. However, his days are numbered. Satan uses music to infiltrate. That's why you need to be careful with the music you use. I've, you know, I remember 30, 40 years ago when I was a younger Christian listening to some young Christians. Oh, it doesn't matter. 
It does matter. I've always been against even cowboy music. I know a lot of people like cowboy music, Western music. But if you listen to the lyrics, it's all immorality. How they're going to go into the tavern and take a girl out and mess around with her, share some liquor, cheat on their husband. You don't have to listen to rock. You can listen to Western music. And yet so many Christians listen to it. Are you listening to the words of Western music? It's all immorality and drunkenness. You're going to go out in a good old time. The Lord rebuke you. Spirit of a suicide. But a demon said, I am not suicide. I am country music. Isn't that something? I just read a case. You know, the Lord rebuke you, spirit of suicide. And the demon said, I'm not suicide. I'm country music. Yeah. Country Western music. The rhythm, beat of rock music is bad. Even Christian rhythm beat music. We got to be careful. A lot of churches, the worship team is in sin. Got to be careful. Churches, youth group. I would not let a young, single man or woman be a youth pastor. They need to be married and more some maturity. The youth are, they need so much help. And so many times, a single pastor is getting himself in trouble, either a simple fornication or worse sins of sex. You read about it all the time. Why do you put that much flesh temptation before this young man that her hormones are going off the charts and he doesn't know how to control his body? Tell me why. Just to build up numbers? Satan, clothed with every precious stone. I make mention of this all not to lift him up, but to keep aware that we are dealing with a man, a spirit, a dignitary, who has been given power by God. He's the prince, a dignitary of this world. If we're going to war effectively against his kingdom, we need as much information as possible about him and his helpers. Glorious ones. 2 Peter 2.10 <clears throat> Now all these should be established by two or more witnesses. A second witness from God's word concerning dignitaries, particularly those who work, walk after the flesh, indulge in the lust of polluting passion and scorn and despise authority, presumptuous and daring, self-willed and self-loving. They scoff at and revile at dignitaries, glorious ones without trembling, whereas even angels, those superior in might and power, do not bring a defaming charge against them before the Lord. And yet, people talk so foolishly against Satan. Is the devil Satan a real person? Some say the devil is an abstract design, an attitude, an idea, or influence. This is incorrect. The Bible says he is a real person. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, okay, adversary, let's break it down, opponent in a lawsuit as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy you through rock music, through country western. He wants to destroy you through your girlfriend if you're a man and you're not wise. The devil would have us believe he does not exist. That's what he's trying to do with Avatar and the Little Mermaid. Uh, we don't exist. The devil doesn't exist. Evil spirits don't exist. Oh, this is just a nice little 
water movie. He would have us believe we do not have a fight on our hands. Yet the Apostle Paul says that we're in a war. God is real. Satan is real. He is not a figment of your imagination. Jesus spent 50% of his time casting out spirits. That should tell you something. See, my pastor, I've never seen him cast out a spirit. I guess he's not copying Jesus very well. Jesus did it a lot because spirits were fighting. What is a demon? The word demon is not used in the King James. However, the reference toward unclean spirits and devils is what is commonly referred to as demons. The Greek word, daimon, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N, means demonic being, deity, devil, God. The Old Testament name, S-A-I-A-S-H-E-D, means hairy one, kid, seat, spoiler, and destroyer. A demon is a personality, a companion looking for a house, a body in which to live in to express itself. According to the Webster's Dictionary, a personality has four distinct qualifications or qualities. A demon or unclean spirit has everything necessary to qualify as a personality. The devil wants to stop the anointing on your life. Anointing, the power to perform your calling. If he cannot stop the anointing on your life, he tries to dilute or diminish your anointing. Nicotine bondage, alcohol, social drinking bondage, drugs, force bondage. He's trying to dilute the effectiveness or anointing on your life if he can't stop it. The four qualities are knowledge, will, emotions, and the ability to speak. Again, the four qualities that make up a personality. Knowledge, will, emotions, and the ability to speak. Knowledge. An unclean spirit cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. Mark 1.24 Demons know things about you. I can walk into rooms and cause a stir. People are uneasy with me, or they like me. The devil hates the Jesus in you. He hates the anointing on your life. Will. Then he says, I will go back to my house from which I came. Matthew 12, 44. Emotions. You believe that God is one? You do well. So do the demons believe in shudder. In other words, inferior, horror, such as makes a man's hair stand on end and contract the surface of his skin. James 2, 19. Finally, the ability to speak. And the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the hogs that we might go into them. Mark 5, 12. Demons are personalities or companions without corporate existence. We can look for them, but are unable to see them with our natural eyes. You must discern them. These spirits desire a body to have a way in which to express themselves. Throughout God's word, we find these evil spirits tormenting and possessing human bodies. These unclean spirits are essentially and irrefragably evil creatures. They are angry with God because they fell from their estate. Their main objective is to torment and afflict the human race. They come to torment you, to afflict you, to discourage you, and to destroy you if possible. They come to steal, kill, destroy. When an individual is born 
again, he entered into warfare with the kingdom of Satan. You say, I'm a Christian now, everything is happening. Yes, the Holy Spirit and evil spirits are fighting. Some people like to paint a picture, everything is rosy when you become a Christian. No, the war has just begun. They already had you before. So you're not fighting the same type of warfare. Again, the Jesus in you, the devil hates and demons hate. They hate the anointing on your life. 32 degree Mason wanted his baptism, but masonry was holding him back. He renounced it, and immediately he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? What's holding you back? What's holding you back? I know some people. Maybe I've known them for a long time, 20 years. And they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. What's holding them back? What? There's probably something. Is it just laziness, stubbornness, pride? What is it? Doubting the Word of God? Something's holding them back. What is holding you back out there? Is it one of what I mentioned or something else? Is it another type of sin? Demons are organized. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians 6, 2, well, let's, let's take it back to Ephesians 6.12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Principalities over a city. He is working with all these demonic forces that have an attitude over a city. Spirit over a city can touch you. Some cities have prejudice because of the slave market. If you ever flown into a city airport and said, man, this feels bad. Maybe you are sensing spirits, principalities in that city. There are key words in the scripture. Russell denotes close contact and struggle. Worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Sign up today for my newsletters. Join our Bible school. Support our ministry. Worldministries.org. Today, we're going to make the title, Demons Are organized. Demons are organized. Now, just to have a brief summary of last week, although we can't go deep into it, if you have not watched it, if you were not in attendance, go to my website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org, and you can watch last week's program on demons or listen to it on radio. Again, we covered the origin of Satan, you know, where did he come from? How did he plague mankind on earth? What's he called? Well, he's called the prince of this world, the God of this world, so to speak. People don't understand that. Jesus is not ruling right now this world. He comes back at the Battle of Armageddon, removes evil governments, then he'll rule and reign. Right now he gave the responsibility, if you want to say, to take dominion, to cast out Satan out of your home, out of your church, out of your nation, to the church. We're his ambassadors. Adam did not do his job, Eve was deceived, and mankind went into slavery, so to speak. A lot of times people on earth don't know, don't recognize, they can't recognize a demon beating up their family or their nation or their church. Most pastors are clueless. Unfortunately, that's how far we are from a great awakening. We need a great awakening. We need to get back to Pentecost. The church is dysfunctional, it's weak, it's pathetic, and we're losing America. Demons are operating, influencing all over the world, all over the church, all over government, in the White House. We're in trouble today. Amen. 
So we talked about the origin of Satan. We talked about the fall of Satan last week. We talked about, again, the personal demons have personality. And we gave examples and, and four qualities. Knowledge, will, emotions, and the ability to speak. Now, again, if you did not watch or listen, go to my website, worldministries.org, and catch up. I think this is a subject we should all be very interested in. And all of you, millions of people watching, tune in. Watch last week if you missed it, because probably family or friends are being beat up. Maybe some want to commit suicide. Maybe some have. Okay, demons are organized. I left off with Ephesians 6.12. It says the Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. This is what we fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You, you know, people think, oh, it's just political. It's more than that. Political people not subject to the lordship of Jesus Christ are being influenced by demons. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay. Principality over a city. He is working with all their demon forces that have an attitude over a city. Sometimes you can fly into a city and all of a sudden you say, man, this feels oppressive. I don't like the feeling of this city. I came back from Israel, flew into Boston. Wow. I said, man, this is an ugly feeling. You know, there's a lot of demons ruling Boston. Very liberal. So demons have influence. Principalities over a city unleashing demonic forces. Some cities have prejudice. And I use the illustration maybe because of the slave market. Maybe because of human trafficking. Maybe because of narcotics. Maybe it's a hub where they ship in narcotics. There are key words in the scripture. Wrestle denotes close contact and struggle. Not against flesh and blood. Holds forth that what is seen in the natural is not the problem. What you see in the natural. You've got to look beyond the natural. You say, man, this is an ugly person. Mean. Well, look beyond that. He's in bondage, or she. If you can get him to the cross and deal with the demonic forces influencing or inside of him, all of a sudden he becomes just a wonderful, or she becomes a wonderful person. Look beyond what you see. Don't get mad at a narcissist, egotistical, rude person. Look beyond that. That person needs help. The spirit world is the problem. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places show great organization. They are organized just like our army, our military is organized. The things we see are the result of the things we cannot see. The natural world was created by, from the spirit world. Did you get it? The natural world created by the spirit world. Before this world was there was existence, a spirit world. Nothing can manifest in the flesh unless it first manifested in the spirit world. We can, therefore, watch the natural world to perceive what is going on in the spirit world. We can then judge the tree by its fruit. Judge the tree by its fruit. 
We can war effectively in the spirit world by knowing what to pray for and how to pray. Now, we're going to get into areas like can Christians have demons. But I can tell you what, look at the fruit of a person and you'll know immediately, is this the Holy Spirit? Or all of a sudden, are they being influenced by ugly spirits, demon spirits? Why are they so mad or unforgiving or whatever? Are they being influenced at that moment by spirits? How did Jesus treat demons? Insight, let's go into the word legion. Mark 5, 7 through 8, Amplified Version. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have I to do with me? What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Now, we're going to break that down later. Do not begin to torment me. For Jesus was commanding, Come out of the man, you are an unclean spirit. Now, like I said, we're going to go into it. How did the demon know that Jesus was commanding? They know who was trying to take authority over them. Remember Sceva? Sons of Sceva? They thought, hey, nothing to it. They got beat up left and right. You need to understand what you're doing before you try to do it. It's not theory anymore. This is reality if you try to cast them out. A lot of people in theory, they, they think they know everything, and they know nothing. They can't even get a demon to stir. And they might just beat you up left, right, and center. Anointing on Jesus' life was so great, he was tormenting the devil. Jesus was tormenting these demons. I can walk into rooms sometimes and when I'm preaching. EJ has watched it all over the world. Huge meetings, thousands. And all of a sudden, people are screaming as demons are being tormented just by anointed preaching. My question to you now is, did they come out? The answer is yes, they did. However, not as quickly as one might think. Some people think you just say it and it's over. That's not what this is saying. And he asked him, Mark 5, 9, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion. For me are many. And he kept begging him urgently not to send them himself and the other demons away out of the region. Jesus was in conflict. He was in a battle. He was in spiritual warfare. Notice the words kept begging. This denotes that some time expired. I always say when I'm involved in, in demonic exorcism, I give a, a good two-hour try. And then we go into, as we'll explain later, some of these are so powerful, you must do it another time after prayer and fasting. James 5.16. The many other cases in the Bible depicting the manner in which Jesus dealt with demons show for a certainty that Jesus did not leave until the person whom he was praying received deliverance. The important thing is that we do not quit until we have a reasonable service given in about two hours. After that, you're ready to quit. Go try to fight demons, and uh, literally, where they're manifesting, and after two hours, you, you need a break. You're exhausted. When you become too weary, you become susceptible to demonic oppression and attack yourself. There's some people that are so worn out, I don't want them. If you already are struggling, if you already are weak, if you are already in anxiety overload or worry, because all of these things, if you let anxiety get to you or worry or fear, this is not the application of the Word of God. You open yourself up, up to demons. We're going to get into how do demons enter Christians. It's no joke. What did Jesus tell us to do about demons? Mark 1, 21 through 22. They entered Capernaum, 
And immediately on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. And they were completely astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching as one who possessed authority and not as the scribes. You know when you enter a church, if the pastor's never cast out a demon, just hear his message. Just listen to it. I can tell you immediately if that pastor knows what he's doing or if he can cast out a demon. I remember going into a Pentecostal charismatic church and the pastor wanted me to teach his pastors. And I was casting demons in this huge church out of Christians and they were doubling over and manifesting, vomiting. And one pastor came up to me and said, hey, did I get him? And I looked. I just discerned the pastor. He did not have enough anointing to do anything. And I looked at the person. I said, no. So I walked over to the person that he couldn't even get the demon to do anything. And I immediately took authority. And the person screamed and started vomiting. And the pastor was aghast. Wow. Now, a lot of pastors would say, in theory, I cast him out. You did not do anything. You did not have authority to even make him move. Are you understanding what I'm saying? There wasn't enough anointing. This is not theory now. This is practicality. In theory, they, they might teach you to do surgery on appendicitis. In practicality, can you do it or will you kill the patient? In theory, you might know how to fly a plane. Well, that's fine. I want practicality. Have you flown a plane? If not, I don't want to get inside one with you. Get, let the instructor take his life in hand. And when you've got enough hours behind that plane, maybe I'll ride with you. Are, are, are we good? Well, Amen? Yeah. I got Captain Buckhart here. He's been with me for 25 years. Flew Northwest Airlines 32 years. Yeah, I would fly a plane with him anywhere in the world. He'd put me in first class. I'd sleep. He'd fly. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal for me. So Jesus took authority. Now, Mark 1, 23 through 25, just at that time there was in their synagogue a man who was in the power of an unclean spirit. And now immediately he raised a deep and terrible cry from the depths of his throat saying, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, Hush up! In other words, be muzzled, be gagged, come out of him. The prayer was not a begging prayer, but an authoritative, demanding prayer. Authoritative, demanding prayer. It's like when you pray for somebody, oh, please heal him. I don't want you praying for me. You don't know enough about how, right now, how to pray for somebody. Oh, please, what are you begging for? The Lord wants us to lay hands on the sick. He wants us to heal them through his power. You don't have to say, oh, Please, Jesus, he's already accomplished and given you that power on the cross. He ascended. He said, go forth and make disciples of all nations, Jesus. baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lay hands on the sick. Cast out demons. First go tarry for the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to do in eagle-saving nations. Get right back to the power of God in stadiums. Again, if you have not joined Eagle Saving Nations, it's the only thing that's going to save America. Go to my website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Join Eagle Saving Nations. Let's sweep America once again with the power of God. Worldministries.org. He said, you cannot do anything without my power. And yet half of the churches in America don't even seek the power of the Holy Spirit. And the other half, a very small percentage. Even churches that were birthed at Pentecost, so to speak. In other words, with the power of God flowing through them. The assemblies of God, the four square and others. 
Many of them are very, very quiet now. You got remnants of, of pastors that are on fire, and the majority might as well be a Lutheran minister. Yeah, Lutheran. As dead as they can be, most of them. You know, I tease EJ, he went, graduated from the Lutheran cemetery. I mean, semin- <laughs> oh, cemetery, no, seminary. And uh, he, came, he joined ours, and now he has a doctorate degree, and he says, man, I learned a lot more in World Ministries International School of Theology than I ever did at the Lutheran cemetery. I mean, seminary. The prayer was not a begging prayer but an authoritative, demanding prayer. I believe this is the reason many Christians do not get desired results. They are begging God instead of rebuking Satan. Are are we there? I mean, I've even heard a few people in this room beg God. Man, knock it off. Don't you know anything if you've been with me 25 years? You don't need to beg God. You need to take authority. Jesus wants to heal. He wants to deliver. He wants to save. There's no need to beg. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Disease does not come from Jesus. It comes from Satan. Know who your enemy is. Fight against him aggressively. Jesus commanded, not begged. The name of Jesus in his blood is more than enough. Mark 1, 26-27. And the unclean spirit, throwing the man into convulsions. I have seen this hundreds of times. And screeching with a loud voice came out of him. I've even watched pastors do this as I've cast demons out of pastors. Even pastors that led worship. Because the demon doesn't enter your Holy Spirit. He enters your body that goes back to dust in the grave. You say, I can't get demons in me. Well, then you can't get sick. I guess you've never had a cold, certainly not cancer or anything else. Because you don't believe it. These things enter the body, not the spirit. Not the soul. The soul upon death goes to heaven or hell. The body goes back to dust. The spirit goes back to God if you're born again. Again, bad teaching. Warped teaching. It's like if you're in the military and you've got bad teaching on how to shoot an M16. I guess you die. And all over the churches are being, if you want to say people are being killed or wounded because they don't know how to teach and understand these things. Oh, in theory, I don't care about your theory. Can you do it? Can you put it into practicality? In theory, we're not supposed to worry a bit. But when you have unusual amount of worry, you open yourself up to demons. I just had Joan Hunter. She brought this out really good. Fear, anxiety, if you want to go overboard on this, you got demons. The door is wide open. When you pray, leave it there. Move on. Again, the prayer is not a begging prayer. It was a new teaching at the time. And it is still a new teaching almost 2,000 years later because the church is still in an area of backslidden, unbelief, dysfunctional, wanting to do their own thing, make their own doctrine, and they don't literally follow the teachings of Christ. It's too radical, they say. Nothing has changed. I've seen miracles since 1985 all over the world. But these other people that say miracles have stopped, apostles have stopped, they see nothing. So... You go to an empty head, an empty teaching, empty results. And your children and family are a mess. Because literally the pastor doesn't know what he's doing. He's already doubted God's word, like Eve did in the garden, Adam, and were deceived by Satan. He's got a church filled with sick people. Well, just be patient. God wants to watch your attitude as you die. Maybe he wants to teach you something. Well, 
God will teach us things going through it. So hopefully we can see, hey, what we're doing wrong and we can, we can fight back and be healed. Or if, we, if we've had too much worry, anxiety, fear, doubt, unbelief, anger, bitterness, we can ask God to repent. You know, we repent to God. God, forgive me. Let me be healed. I mean, that's why the elders are called to pray for the sick. If they have any discernment and wisdom, they're supposed to know those things and check it out. You don't want just elders with just come and lay hands on anybody. Well, he's not qualified to be an elder then. In the process, you're supposed to discern and see if there's a problem and deal with the problem. Nothing has changed. In order to get the results, we must still do deliverance in the same way Jesus did it. People are amazed every time they see a violent spirit come out. They ask the same question, what is this? Now, many people who attend this a long time, you have seen demons come out. You've seen me cast them out, and you've seen people manifest violently, even where the face might turn upside down, things like this. Demons are real, and they go into Christians, and we're going to go into that later. Because Christians aren't perfect. They don't live by the word of God. They open themselves to demonic attack and sometimes where the spirit goes right into the body. You know, this is, you know, fight to earn your own salvation with fear and trembling and most of Christians don't do it. Well, I've been saved. I'm saved eternally. Well, very dangerous. You are not saved eternally. If you walk outside of the blood, the death angel would have struck you in Egypt just like the Egyptians. Is everyone commissioned to cast out demons? Mark 16, 17. And these attesting signs will accompany those that believe in my name. They will drive out demons. I've been involved in two mega churches and we taught everyone to be able to cast out demons, to lay hands on the sick. You don't have to be in full-time ministry. These signs shall follow them that believe if you want to be taught. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, Amplified. Now, there's a distinct vari er, uh, varieties and distributions of endowments. In other words, extraordinary powers distinguishing certain Christians due to the power of divine grace operating in their souls by the Holy Spirit, but they vary, but the Holy Spirit remains the same. Not everyone is called into the fivefold gifts of ministry, but everyone can lay hands on the sick. You don't heal them, God does it. You just follow through and lay hands on the sick. God does the healing. You know, when they look to me too much, I don't like it. I can't heal you. I can do nothing. I'm a vessel of God. God does the healing. I was in once Mombasa, a city, stronghold Muslim city. They burnt down seven churches before I got there. I was in the largest church in the city that, uh, I can't remember if they had 40,000 at the time. I think now they're at least 80 or 100. But uh, one night I was there for a solid week and God showed me before I preached. I said, everyone with tumors come forward. Tumors, gross. Obvious ones. Over 100 people came. I called the ushers. Mark them. Get their names. And as fast as I could pray for them, boom, 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 they fell and the tumor just disappeared. The next day when I came up to preach, they gave me such a warm clap that I was embarrassed because they were, I thought, my goodness, I didn't, God did. I don't want to take God's glory. And I stopped them. I said, please don't. I did not. God healed you. Give him the glory. And they now gave God the glory for 45 straight minutes. I felt better. <laughs> I don't want God's glory. Right. I can't heal. God does. Yes. If, if, you know, if, if you be humble and always recognize, do not take the glory that God deserves. Yes. He gave you the power. You don't have it without God. Yes. I always said I can't do anything anywhere in the world without God. I can do nothing. It's the Holy Spirit in me. Yes. 
And as the Holy Spirit, the Word of God grows in you, yes, you have more authority, more power, you can accomplish more things. But that's a whole nother teaching. There are many people acting as though they are taking authority over the unclean spirit when in fact they don't have the power. You don't have the power. I do not feel the mantle placed on me by God until I've done approximately 100 deliverances. Uh, this example was given by a man of God. Many are called, but few are chosen. God calls every believer. However, to be commissioned, a price must be made. Count the cost before you earnestly seek the mantle of a deliverance minister. Some people are called full-time into this. I'm not. I can certainly do it, but I don't want to do it every day. Are, are you with me? It's a lot of work. I am called to the nations, apostolically and prophetically. But a comp <clears throat> to do that, obviously, I can also cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead where God wants it. I've seen people come back to life. I've seen people on their deathbed. God heal him. And the doctor says, don't bother to pray. I remember one man, hole in the heart. The doctor literally told me in Kenyatta Hospital, Nairobi, Kenya, don't bother, Reverend. He's, can't you hear he's dying? The death rattle. <coughs> I said, thank you, doctor. I walked around him, laid hands on him, rebuked the spirit of death. The heart closed up. He rose up, got off the bed. He's alive to this very day. Amen? First <coughs> John 3, 9. No one born, begotten of God, deliberately, knowingly, habitually practices sin. For God's nature abides in him. His principle of life, the divine sperm, remains permanent within him, and he cannot practice sinning because he is born begotten of God. If somebody is deliberately practicing sin, I don't believe they're a Christian. And if you have it in theory, let me tell you, you're going to beat up by demons. Ladies and gentlemen, we must be born again. We must be walking in the Spirit of God. You can cast out demons. Join our ministry, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Help us, help us to save America and the nations. God bless you. Shannon. Dr. Hanson, what a powerful message that was. Oh, man, I enjoyed that. And uh, <laughs> there's more where that comes from, folks. Dr. Hanson is going to be bringing more teaching on this subject that I love so much, deliverance ministry. And, you know, brother, I didn't see it growing up. You know, both my grandfathers were Church of God, Lee College, Cleveland, Tennessee, Church of God, pastors, and uh, they preached the gospel. We saw people speaking in tongues. We saw interpretation of tongues. We had altar calls, and they prayed for the sick, but I never saw any deliverance going on. That was just something that seemed to happen over there, like in Africa, they said, or Haiti, where there was voodoo. But the truth be known, many people around me, including myself, we needed deliverance. That was something that, uh, you know, people said, well, a demon can't get across the bloodline. Well, not so fast. Yes, when we open the door to sin, you know, sin lies at the door. It's desires to rule over us. Word of God says, give no place to the enemy. So if there's no place for the enemy to occupy, we wouldn't have that warning. So sure, a Christian can have a demon. Later I found out. And only 13 years ago, the Lord showed me that was a missing piece that I was looking for my whole life. Deliverance ministry. Going back, like you said, to Mark 16, and these signs shall follow them that believe. First one, Jesus listed. I believe you put a priority on that. In my name they shall cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues, they'll lay hands on the sick and they recover, etc. But deliverance is the children's bread. And no shame for a person to say, you know, I need some help. I think there's something wrong with me. I need deliverance. The only shame is to keep that demon. 
when Jesus Christ made a way to be set free of those evil spirits. And if we submit to God and resist the devil, well, the devil will flee. The only shame is not to get deliverance when Jesus Christ made it available on the cross. Is everybody saved because Jesus died on the cross? No. But we have the opportunity by believing on Jesus, repenting of our sins. As you mentioned, is everybody automatically healed when Jesus died on the cross? No. We have people that are sick right now need healing. Same way with deliverance. All these things are available at the cross. Salvation, deliverance, and healing, we need to appropriate them. And many people can be free who have been bound up and have tried everything else and they say, what's wrong? I know there's something still wrong. What's wrong is maybe they have something in the bloodline that was not dealt with. Like in my own case, we had a generational curse that needed to be broken. The Lord told me in a dream, Dr. Hansen, he said, you and your brother have a generational curse need to break. And it was true. And now we knew what was ailing us and we had a clear direction to get a remedy. It was repenting of sins, personal and ancestral, and getting some deliverance to be set free. And when I came to the realization of this, as you're teaching tonight on this great subject of deliverance, can a Christian be demonized? Absolutely. I realized, praise God, this is the full gospel. Salvation, healing, and deliverance. And God has called the whole church to be free and then to help others get set free. And brother, um, I will tell you, I haven't done as much deliverance as maybe some, but I've done a fair share, and I will tell you, most of it has been with demonized curses. The truth is, everybody's got their demons. Let's get set free of them so we can be all that we can be for Christ. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so praise the Lord. This is good news, folks. This is great news. And I know the enemy's not happy about this subject, Dr. Hansen. The enemy wants us to continue in bondage, not knowing the truth and certainly not opposing him. I will say this in wrapping up, you know, uh, you've heard the old saying, the greatest lie Satan pulled on mankind was to try to convince him that he didn't exist. I say the greatest lie perpetrated on the church, well, there's two actually, <laughs> is that a Christian can't have a demon, and another one is that we're getting out of here before trouble starts. Uh, I think we're here for the long haul personally. We need to be prepared to go till Jesus comes back or we die with our boots on. I don't think we're getting out of here in a Dunkirk evacuation. I believe the Lord has set us here to make war on the host of hell, do exploits in these last days, set the captives free, preach the gospel, and many are going to give their lives as martyrs before the Lord comes back. I believe the truth be known. And you know, knowing that, I'm not going to be offended when these things happen. You know, if the Lord chooses to take us out early, praise God. You know, I'm not going to fight anybody, but we may go out just like the disciples went up for the things over with. So I think uh, this is a wake-up call for people to get in the battle, the stakes are high, and the Lord needs you in his end-time army. That's my uh, micro-sermon. Amen. <laughs> Dr. Hansen, Amen. you always motivate me in these awesome messages, and they've been good every week. Folks, tune in again next week for more. Before we close, I want you to tell people how they can partner with World Ministries, become a part of Eagle Saving Nations, and anything else you'd like to mention. If you want to write a check and send it to us, address the check to W. M-I-W-M-I. Then on the envelope, just put World Ministries International, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Again, the envelope, you could put WMI, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Again, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. You can give 
from our website, worldministries.org. That's worldministries.org. Also, you can join Eagle Saving Nations, again, via our website, worldministries.org. Or you can telephone 360-629-5248. That's 360-629-5248. 360-629-5248. If you give, I thank you for that. Again, on this trip we just returned, the devil tried to take us out with a head-on collision. I came to a stop. The person still uh, screeched into me, but nobody was injured, and we were able to drive it back. Also, our van that we use in parades and we use for soup kitchens or dental clinics and Indian reservations, we can use it that way. That was involved in an accident. So if somebody wants to give toward helping us on repairing these and the deductible, anything would help. We need about $5,000, but anything would help. Next week, I'm speaking on the Leviathan and Marine Spirits. Also, the movie Avatar and its association with Hinduism. What is going on? Make sure you tune in again next week. God bless you, Shannon. Oh boy, I'm looking forward to that. And I have a story I might even tack in on there regarding a marine spirit here on the island of Bali that we encountered. Oh my goodness. Folks, you got to tune in next week. Same time, same channel. We'll see you next time, my brothers and sisters. God bless you over there. We love you. We'll see you soon. God bless you. Thank you. Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years. Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business, or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the Independence Program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training, and if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care, and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you joined hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629-5248 and say a short prayer for us in your message and leave your phone number too, okay? So one more time, 360-629-5248. Thank you and God bless.